That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Hello, good friends, and welcome back to the Bill Press Pod. We all know that Will Rogers once famously said, I don't belong to any organized political party. I'm a Democrat. (laughs) Well, while it's true that Democrats are always disorganized, that's also true of Republicans today who are trying to figure out what to do about Donald Trump. For some, it's easy. They're 100% Trumpers, believe he's the ticket to winning the midterms in 2022, and hope and pray that he runs again for president in 2024. But there's a growing number of Republicans who believe just the opposite that Trump has destroyed the old Republican Party and just want him to go away so they can rebuild the party the way it used to be. How far are they willing to go? Well, you won't believe how far. Last week in the New York Times, one top Republican, former New Jersey Governor Christine Todd Whitman, actually argued that the best thing Republicans could do to get rid of Donald Trump is to vote for Democrats. (laughs) I gotta tell you, In all my years in politics, I never heard anything like that. So I reached out to Governor Whitman and invited her to join us and make her case today on the Bill Press Pod. Governor Whitman, good to talk to you and thank you for joining us today on the Bill Press Pod. I'm pleased to be with you. So, Governor, uh, you certainly dropped a bombshell last week in the New York Times with your op-ed, headline of which I'll read now. We are Republicans with a plea. Elect Democrats. I guess I got to start by asking you, Governor, are you serious about that? Oh, absolutely. Uh, What we're saying is that when Republicans are faced with an extreme right Republican candidate versus a centrist Democrat, they should vote for the Democrat. And we're saying the same thing to the Democrats. When they have someone who is to the extreme on the left, they should vote for a centrist Republican. We need to get back our, our principles pragmatists in order to, to get the country back to the center. Uh, this country functions best with a center right and a center left. And what we're concentrating on, though, is trying to rebuild the Republican Party from inside. We're not talking about a third party at this point, um, certainly not for this election cycle, but we very much believe that we should be supporting those in Right now, we've released a, a list of 20 uh, incumbents. We'll be going after uh, challengers in the future. But right now, we believe we should be supporting those who have stood up to the big lie, who acknowledge that what happened on January 6th was not a regular tourist visit, and that the election in 2020 was not stolen. What kind of reaction did you get from your fellow Republicans? Actually, so far, there have been a lot of very positive. I mean, you know, there's some obviously negative ones, but for the most part, it's been people who said, finally, something in the center. I am not at home. And actually, Bill, you'd be surprised how many Democrats I've heard from as well who said, i am never voted Republican, but I, I can and I will. I like this idea. So there's a hunger out there. I mean, you've got to remember that now 50% of the um, registered voters are registered independent. That means the Republicans mm-hmm. Democrats 
have 25 each, but they don't. Democrats have more than Republicans in registered voters, but it's it's closer. But we've never been at that number before, where 50% of the registered voters refuse to affiliate with either party. And of course, um, part of the uh, what would happen if uh, people follow, Republicans follow your advice, is most likely Democrats would hold on to control of the House of Representatives and Kevin McCarthy would lose his chance to be the Republican speaker. That's a price you're willing to pay. Oh, more than willing to pay, because frankly, from the way Kevin McCarthy has behaved, we don't believe that he would, or we know, frankly, if he were to become speaker, he would continue with down the path of of Donald Trump. He would continue to say that the election of 2020 was stolen. And and you got to understand this, these things that this challenging the election of 2020, uh, calling for recounts uh, and audits passing legislation to solve problems that don't exist. This is part of a concerted effort to undermine the public's confidence in our electoral system so that the next time they lose, they can just claim it was stolen. And things can get really ugly, as we saw on January 6th. 2020 election, we should be celebrating. I mean, in the midst of a pandemic with an administration that for months ahead of time had been saying that there'd be all sorts of fraud and and that would be stolen if they didn't win, we had more people, we had record turnouts, and it was safe, secure, and accurate, as better than 60 lawsuits have found, heard by judges from both sides of the aisle, some appointed by uh, Donald Trump himself. There's no there there to this. So there's no reason for this to continue except to as, a, as an effort to undermine the public's confidence in our overall electoral system. Do you think our democratic system itself is uh, at risk here? Very much so. I am terribly worried about our democracy. Um, We seem to have forgotten the importance of the rule of law and the Constitution. Uh, Certainly, Donald Trump thought the Constitution was an inconvenient document and and the rule of law didn't apply to him. Uh, And that is a really dangerous place to be, I think. And, you know, you know, looking back in history that governments, no, no government of the kind of experiment that we have been undergoing in a democratic republic has ever lasted forever. They don't. But I'm not ready to say this is the time that our democracy should die. You mentioned uh, that you have a list of uh, 20 people so far uh, that you are going to support these. Uh, could you give us an idea of some of the Democrats do you, uh, you would support and some of the Republicans uh, you were calling on people to support? Sure. I mean, Andy Kim in New Jersey, down in the third district, uh, Slother, Michigan in 08, Golden in, in Maine in the 2nd District. Uh, for the Republicans, Kissinger in Illinois and Fred Upton in, in Michigan. Uh, we're talking, supporting Murkowski and Liz Cheney, among others. I mm-hmm. mean, we're, what we're doing is being very strategic and going into those races where this kind of support or endorsement could help. They're not. We're, we don't have to persuade every Republican to vote Democrat. That's not what it needs. Joe Biden won the presidency because seven percent, seven percent of those who voted for Trump in 2016 switched to Biden in 2020. In, um, 2020. And so, when we're playing in districts where the margin is two, three, maybe five percent. It doesn't take everybody. You don't have to switch all Republican votes there. You can make a difference with just a few. 
if you get them out to vote. So that's why we're being strategic in our targeting here. And now I know because of uh, interviews that you've done before and also um, interviews that I've done with people like Bill Crystal and, um, and others in the Lincoln Project, that the, I guess the hope was that post-Trump, the Republican Party would get back to what the Republican Party used to be. Uh, a, you know, a strong, independent, uh, oppos- not opposition party, other party, the second major party. I started out my political career working for a good, strong, centrist Republican in Marin County, California. Uh, but that didn't happen. The party did not switch back. Why? What happened? Well, Donald Trump had created a cult, uh, and his voters, his base is very, very loyal. And they adhere to him. I mean, you know, we don't have, we're not really a party, those self-described Republicans. There's not really a party because there's no, there are no set of principles. They didn't adopt a platform. It was whatever Donald Trump says you must believe mm-hmm. at a particular time. And so that's, that's not a, it's not a party. It's not something that, uh, that really we can support or should be supporting. So I, I think I was trying to find it. Uh, there's a recent fundraising uh, appeal from the Republican National Committee that basically says you don't want to be called a traitor, and you will be if you don't. You're disloyal if you don't contribute to Trump. I mean, really? That's the kind of language we use in this country now. Uh, a party uses, which also tells me that oh, by the way, that a lot of the big uh, donors have decided this is going too far. It's undermining our democracy, and we just can't support it anymore. Well, as you described it, it's not a party so much as it is a one-man cult. Right. Uh, but there seem to be a lot of Republicans, uh, unlike yourself, who are unwilling to stand up and uh, put any distance between themselves and Donald Trump. What are they afraid of? And, and is, is he that strong? Is he that dangerous, that powerful? Well, his supporters are. I mean, you know what we've seen, which yeah. is really scary to me, Bill, is the number of those who have worked on overseeing the polls and administering the elections, the death threats that they're getting in states where mm. where Joe Biden won. I mean, and so they're quitting. They're saying, look, I didn't, I didn't sign on for this. I can't subject my family to this. I mean, they have literally, some have had to move homes, move their house, where they, their residences. Uh, they've had to hire security. Uh, this is not what we're supposed to be about, but these people who support Trump, we saw it on January 6th. That was an effort to overthrow the government, frankly, no two ways about it. They wanted to stop the counting of the electoral ballots and throw out, throw out the vote. That was to undermine, to, to throw out, to change our whole election. And we cannot let, let that happen, but it, it could. And that's what these people are afraid of. They're afraid that the Trump voters are going to be the ones who come out. It's, it's going to be interesting to see. That's the play here in New Jersey, I believe, that um, the Republicans are assuming that the Democrats are going to be complacent because they're, they have a million more registered Democrats than Republicans in the state. And so they, they don't have to worry because they're not going to come out in droves, mm-hmm. but the Trump base will. And so they're really playing hard to the Trump base. I don't think it's going to work here in the state, but that's, I think, the calculation <laughs> they've made. I, I've often wondered, is the Trump base, uh, in terms of numbers, is the Trump base big enough in itself to win general elections? I don't think so. I mean, he's not hes not at 50%. He's lost yeah. almost every election. Mm-hmm. He lost the last election, lost Congress, lost the Senate. Um, 
and particularly when you see that 50% of the registered voters are um, independent, don't associate with a party, I am willing to bet you I don't have the breakdown, but I am willing to bet that uh, a great number of those, a high percentage of those are dissident Republicans. Do you think it's possible for a Republican today to, um, let's say, openly, publicly say they do not accept the big lie, uh, in effect, oppose Donald Trump and win? I do. And that's why we're supporting these uh, candidates, these 10 Republicans that we announced today. And, and there are more. It's just that we wouldn't make a difference in their particular uh, districts. Their races aren't that close. But yes, you have 10 right here um, who did have shown a pattern of standing up to this and a pattern of, of pushing back and, and saying that, you know, January 6th was not just a regular tourist visit. Um, mm-hmm. And so they're there. Just nobody has had their back before. And things now are getting serious enough that I think you're going to find more and more people who are going to join in, our, in this effort. And every time we do anything that's, that's press-wise, we get lots of responses from people saying, finally, somebody's talking about something in the center. Um, some want to see a third party. We're not trying to do that right now. Uh, maybe that might have to happen somewhere down the road because we can't get enough Republicans to to uh, get elected sensible, the principled centrists to get elected, but uh, we'll see. Can you explain Chuck Grassley? Uh, you know, I-, I was so surprised to see him at this Trump rally last week. I mean, you know, when I was doing Crossfire at CNN, Gra- Senator Grassley was a frequent guest. Um, I admired him a lot. Strong, centrist, Republican, I always felt, you know. He's been there a long time. Right. If anybody, it seems to me, could be independent and do whatever he wanted, it would be <laughs> Senator Grassley. Yeah, but he said it, and, which I loved. I mean, it wasn't exactly an ringing endorsement of Donald Trump when he said, you know, I was born at night, but not last night, and not to accept the the uh, not to accept the support of someone who's supported by 91% of the Republicans in Iowa. I'd be crazy. So it wasn't uh, a ringing endorsement, but it was a recognition <laughs> that of those who are re- still registered as Republicans, Donald Trump still has an extraordinary hold on them. Right. Uh, the opposite of that, of course, and you mentioned her earlier, uh, is Liz Cheney. Mm-hmm. Um, boy, talk about a profile in courage, yes. right? What do you think her chances are? Can she hold on? I think she can, but that's why we're going to be playing in that race, and that's why we're raising her up as someone that people ought to, ought to watch and support if you want to get back to the kind of government where people stand on principle. I mean, I haven't agreed with her for with a lot of, of her positions that she's taken uh, you know, socially and otherwise, but I have the utmost respect for what she's been doing and standing up, and I will support her in any way that I can. We know that the people that we're putting out there as being the the principled pragmatists are not all going to agree on issues. They're, they're, they're different, come from different places and that's okay. But they, what they have shown is they put the constitution and their oath of office above their political party. And that's what we need as people understand they took an oath to support the constitution of the United States, not an oath to support the Republican or Democrat party, democratic party. Now, I know you've given this a lot of thought, um, so I, I'd love to get your take on, so here comes this outsider, uh, no political experience, this brash real estate developer from New York City, 
and in a year, he takes over the Republican Party. I mean, just takes it over, lock, stock, and barrel. How did it happen so fast? Well, it's a reflection of the fact that Congress had been um, fairly useless uh, for quite a time before that. They had not been passing the big pieces of legislation. So much of the country felt they were left behind. I mean, this really started with the Tea Party, and then they moved away from their libertarian background and went really highly into the social um, positions as being their their primary concern but they they started it so there was that nucleus there and when you add the fact that you have so many in the country who felt congress just wasn't paying any attention to them wasn't answering um, their issues they felt left behind and ignored and you had somebody who came in and said i get it and i'm gonna turn it all upside down and so they grabbed it unfortunately he did turn everything upside down but not in the way that i think most people wanted Sure. Did he have some programs and policies that that people would agree with? Absolutely. Everybody does. But the damage he was doing otherwise was so overwhelming that a lot of people have soured on it. But still, for those people who uh, I kind of I, I have made the analogy from time to time of Jonestown and Jim Jones mm-hmm. drunk the Kool-Aid, his supporters, and they're not dying themselves, but boy, they sure are undermining our our form of government and contributing to its demise. Our guest today on the Bill Press Pod, former New Jersey Governor Christine Todd Whitman and former administrator of the Environmental Protection Agency. Let's take a quick break here on the Bill Press Pod and we'll come back with uh, Governor Whitman. Continue our conversation about the Republican Party. Um, Maybe the best thing Republicans can do to get the Republican Party back on its feet is to actually vote for some centrist Democrats. And today's podcast with Governor Christine Todd Whitman is brought to you by the Iron Workers Union. Under the leadership of President Eric Dean, you name it, any iconic structure or building in this country, you can thank the Iron Workers from the Golden Gate Bridge to the St. Louis Arch to the new World Trade Center building in Lower Manhattan. The Iron Workers Uh, keeping America strong and building America, a new America every day. Check out their website at ironworkers.org. We thank them for their great work and their support of the Bill Press Pod. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. 
conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And we're back on today's podcast. Our guest, Governor Christine Todd Whitman, former governor of New Jersey, former administrator of the EPA. So, Governor, you might as have been as stunned as I was to see uh, earlier this week, um, or last week, actually, it was uh, on his website, former President Trump put out this statement. If we don't solve the presidential election fraud of 2020, which we have conclusively documented, Republicans will not be voting in 2022 or 2024. Basically telling Republicans to stay home unless everybody agrees that he won the last election. It makes me laugh. He has. It just shows his political inexperience is a polite way to say. <laughs> but what it really shows is he's never cared about anything else but himself. It's never been about anybody else. And, you know, the people who have supported him are being fed a host of lies. Because if you look at his record, what he did in Atlantic City, what he's known for throughout his career is he'll push people to do everything they can to his buildings, bring them in faster, do more work, get change things, and then he won't pay the bills. And he'll say, particularly for the little people, the electrician, the plumber, he'll say, sue me. I'll pay you pennies on the dollar. Sue me. That isn't someone who really cares about the worker, really cares about the people who are living on the margins. He only cares about himself, and that's why he doesn't care. He's not a Republican, never really has been, never been, doesn't understand political parties, has never read the Constitution. Uh, I don't know that he could even find it in a library. Um, you know, it, it's just everything it, he keeps, he's his own worst enemy in many ways, but he keeps reinforcing his weaknesses and and failures and people have got to understand that well we saw what happened in georgia when basically in the senate races in georgia right, right. um where the where the president said it's a fraud it's a fraud it's a rigged system and a lot of republicans stayed home and democrats elected two united states senators from georgia i mean basically this is the same playbook right? right exactly i mean democrats are delighted my only problem is we want to get the right people in, not just any democrat you want to get the right democrat in and you want to support the right the kind of republicans who really care about the constitution who really care about the party uh, what it used to be um you know it was never this radical uh, it my father, I always thought, had the very best description of what political parties were. And he said they were like umbrellas. You had the handle in the center that was that shared core values that you had as a member of either party. And then you had the ribs that held up the canopy. And the ribs were different ways of interpreting those core qualities, different ways of uh, administering them. So you could, But you were still under the same canopy. So you could have moderate liberal and conservative Republicans, moderate liberal and conservative Democrats. But they were still, they shared a set of values. And unfortunately, right now, we've lost that in the Republican Party. Or you can put it another way, the only values we have is whatever Donald Trump says we should have. Hmm. I'll never think of an umbrella in the same way. I always think of your dad. <laughs> your, your dad now. So, uh, Governor, of course, you leave yourself open to two uh, questions which I know have been thrown at you before, uh, but I can't resist. One is, 
if you're so unhappy with the Republican Party today, why don't you just become a Democrat? Because I'm not a Democrat. And I believe in trying to change things from the inside. And so I'm going to stick with the Republican Party as long as I can to try to change it from within. But I'm certainly not, for instance, an AOC supporter. (laughs) There are a lot of things that the Democrats do that I can't support. But um, they're just overall approach to government. But there are a lot of things they do that I can. And again, and those Democrats who are more to the center, that's the way we get things done. I mean, the history of our country is based on, I can't use the word compromise, so I'll say consensus. (laughs) Yeah, compromise suddenly has become a dirty word, which is unfortunate. But uh, you think it's important that the country have two strong political parties? Oh, yes. I think it's essential. That's we, we function best that way. We're not a parliamentary system, and we're so big with so many layers of government and with our 50, well, 53, if you count the, the territories, governors, but with 50 states, that I think a multi-party, more toward a parliamentary system would be a disaster. Having said that, we are starting to move that way in that it never used to be that every vote was a party-line vote. You know, you used to be able, members could break away. They could do what they thought was right for their constituents. Right. Even if it right. didn't, wasn't always what uh, the leadership wanted, but you were able to negotiate those kind of things. Now that's gone out the window now. It is everything right down the line. And particularly with Trump and the Republicans, you're either a thousand percent with them or you're a traitor. Mm-hmm. Witness their fundraising appeal, which wouldn't be very appealing to me. <laughs> So the the other big question, of course, and you alluded to this earlier, uh, then uh, if the Republican Party seems to be, you know, basically sold out to Donald Trump, this one man cult, as you called it, why not start a third party? A third. Well, um, there are a lot of people who are trying. Andrew Yang is in there. There, there are others who are thinking about it. Third parties have not had a, a great history of success because there are so many laws in the various states that make it difficult for a third party to get on the ballot. And of course, you have the um, Commission on Presidential Debates that is supposed to be nonpartisan, but it is highly partisan. And the qualifications required to get into those sanctioned debates are so high that it's, it's very difficult. That doesn't mean that you can't do it. And it doesn't mean that we won't do it down the line. Um, because it's, too important, but we're going to wait and try to see if we can't elect enough of the Republicans to start to change the party from within. But if that, and it's going to take time, it's not going to happen in this one cycle. It may take two or three cycles, but we're in for the long haul. Our, our country's just too important to, to back out now. But if it looks as if we have to do the go the third party route, we will. And I have to say, I've never seen as much support for that as I'm seeing now. But you and I have also seen uh, that it's very difficult just getting on the ballot in all yeah. 50 oh, states, yes. right? Oh, yeah. Uh, no, it's very hard. Every the, state the, has the, a different the, set of rules on how many how many signatures you have to get to get on the ballot. And yeah, yeah. The deck is really stacked against a third party. Uh, exactly. Perhaps, unfortunately. As you look across the political landscape, Governor, in terms of rebuilding the Republican Party uh, so that it's not a, a Trump party, um, who are the Republican leaders you see that might be, um, might you know, lead that effort? Is there anybody like outstanding? Is it Larry Hogan? Is it Ben Sass? I mean, there are people that that certainly could stand up and do it. As could the ten that we have uh, 
done a shout out for that, that we call renewers that we put out in our list. Those Republicans all have shown a strength and a backbone. I tend to be biased toward executive branch experience before you take over the biggest job in the world, an executive. Um, so, Meaning a governor. Yeah, I'm biased. I have to admit, I, I'm biased about <laughs> toward governors. But they're, they're, are, they're out there. There are a lot of them, but right now they're stifled by Trump. I mean, Trump just has locked down the Republican mechanism, and that's really the issue. It's not the people overall, but it's the, the levers of power within the Republican establishment that he has got such control over. Although I have to say, if he can't raise the money for them, that's going to start to fade too. Would Mike Pence be on your list? Uh, not on mine, no. I don't think he was set to win re-election in his home state. And uh, he's he's too conservative for me. And plus the fact he's been a Trump supporter. I mean, he is he has pushed back. Yes, he finally, thank you, Dan Quayle, finally stood up to Trump and, and went ahead and certified the election. But he did everything prior to that to try to figure a way out to support uh, the president at the time, the form, now former president, in his effort to overturn the election. So, no, I wouldn't support him because of that. Uh, I know you and your colleagues have formed what's called a Renew America movement, correct? Is, is, that, is that where people can find this list uh, that you refer to of the Democrats and Republicans you would support? Yes. Mm -hmm. You can find it. What you can find is what we stand for, why we have we've come into being and who are on this list. We'll be publishing another list of those we think definitely do not deserve reelection. And then we're going to go further and look into some races. Again, always understanding that the proviso is that where we think the elections will be competitive enough that we can make a difference. And then on the on the flip side, we'll come up with some of those challengers in other races. On this point and this conversation, what do you? Why is this so important to you? Why? Do, what do you think is at stake for the country uh, in this movement? Our very form of government, our all that we hold dear as Americans. Uh, I just, I have never been so worried about the future of our democracy as I am today. And it just, it terrifies me that we're going to lose it because we haven't paid enough attention. We have let things go thinking someone else would solve the problem for us. And now it's time for us to stand up. And it's not easy as a Republican to say, vote for a Democrat, but the right Democrat, you should do it. And the same thing for Democrats. It, it just, we have to put our country and its constitution and the rule of law above our parties. And if I may, Governor, before I let you go, ask you to put your other hat on, your EPA hat on, um, I'd love to get your take on the importance of climate change, whether you think we're doing enough or what we ought to be doing. No, we're not doing enough. Um, it's it's a, a very real threat, and we've seen it. I mean, we've had some, I believe the number now is up to about 18 uh, climate-related major issues uh, this year, storms and floods and droughts and fires, each costing a billion each. So, I mean, it's costing mm -hmm. us money, not to mention lives lost, uh, ways of living lost, jobs lost, It's and the rest of the world. It's a, it's a national security threat as well. So, it's a major issue. We have to, to step up to it. And frankly, I don't think there's any way to really get on top of it until we figure out a price on carbon, whether it's a mm -hmm. 
tax with a, a uh, dividend back to the taxpayer so that it offsets increase in cost uh, for that's going to be passed down by the companies that, that are taxed. And then you put a border adjustment on so that you start to uh, penalize some of the imports if they are heavily, uh, if their carbon footprint is, is too big. And uh, well, we have to do something along those lines to really start to, to make the kind of difference we need. That's it for today's interview with uh, Governor Christine Todd Whitman. Thank you so much for being with us. Always good to see you on the podcast. Uh, and don't forget, this is going to be a busy week in Washington. All kinds of debate and maybe some big votes on the big infrastructure bill. They're debating it as we speak because the House and the Senate are back this week. So we'll be here on Friday with our reporters roundtable to take a look at it all and try to make some sense of it all. That's Friday. In the meantime, take care of yourself and come back and see us on the next edition of the Bill Press Pod.